All right. Good morning. It's good to be here. Um, it's, it's fun coming in and out of Austin. Uh, a lot of what I've done here actually hasn't been on Sunday mornings. It's been more with the city and with what Pastor J.D. has uh, set up and connected us with here. has been a, an amazing blessing and an open door. We've been working together with Christ Together Austin and been reached out to from the Austin Police Department, the chief, and others uh, from around, and so it's just been a blessing. So they use the term more Dr. Hill, so I know we're not used to that in uh, the Antioch movement, so my name is Clarence. All right, so just relax, all right? We just want to get that out of the way from the start, like, hmm, what do we do with this guy here? All right, so um, this is just going to be a good morning. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad to be a part of the body of Christ. I'm just so glad. So we want to greet you from Antioch, Norman. I would say Boomer Sooner, but I want to finish this message. I want to finish this. I'm going to have friends when I leave. Is that all right? All right. No upside down longhorns or anything. For a while there, I didn't know you were supposed to actually hold it up living in Norman. I'm like, oh, there actually are some longhorn fans in the world. But all I know, since we're talking about unity today, is uh, like when I said when I was little, I ain't in it, right? I was not a part, I am not a part of this battle. I was a cyclone. I played at Iowa State. So uh, I don't know what you all are fussing about. <laughs> so um, first I want to introduce uh, my wife. My wife and my daughter are here, Alicia and Harmony. And... Uh, we're just thankful. Destiny's, I believe, in the children's program. So we are so thankful to be a part of the Antioch movement. And I don't know about you, but when I look at the world and I see all of the challenges, all of the pain, the scriptures literally talk about Satan saying that he makes the world a wilderness. He devours cities. And these aren't just brick and stone systems, governments, and who gets elected. These are human beings. These are children. They're, these are lives. These are people being trafficked. I mean, it's real pain. And so as one individual or one family, I can't reach all of that. But the thing that gives me solace and peace when I see the homeless and unhoused, when I see the crime rates and I see those who are in uh, fragmented family situations, struggling through life, the thing that gives me comfort is I get to be a part of a family that's going after it with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's who we are at Antioch. I don't know if you're still excited about it, but I am. Amen? Are y'all really with me in this? Amen. I mean, I'm standing here right now, and I can say that we have a team. We have teams in Poland answering the Ukraine crisis. We have another team down in Mexico and Tijuana of adults, and this is like 35-plus, 40-plusers down there sharing the gospel in Tijuana, Mexico. And we have two teams down in South Africa, and that's not to speak of the rest of the Antioch movement that's all over the world bringing the light of the gospel of the kingdom to those who are broken and hurting. We should be celebrating that. Amen. Amen. Y'all are on gospel cool this morning, but I'm just trying to throw some wood back in the fire this morning. Amen? Amen. 
Amen. You ought to be excited about who you are. You ought to be excited about where God ordered your feet to be. I am so thankful. Be glad. What's your last name? Just shout it out. Be, make it confusing. What's your last name? Shout it out. All right. Be proud of him. Be proud. <laughs> be proud of Hill Smith. All the last names that you have, be proud of who you are. Be thankful for the lineage God brought you into. Be thankful for the story that he gave you. Be glad about it and get all into it and say, God, what was the word that you spoke to generations before I came? What was the word that you spoke to Antioch before I even arrived on the scene? Now, how can I put my yoke on and see the success of heaven as one family, as one body, as the church of Jesus Christ? I'm already preaching on Ephesians 4, if you haven't noticed yet. I'm already all in the middle of Ephesians 4 that talks about the fact that we are one body, one spirit, one faith, one Lord, one baptism. We are one. And if there's anything that kills momentum faster than anything, it's division. It's division and losing sight of the vision. When you came in this morning, is your heart full and excited about who we are as the representatives of Jesus in the earth? Are you still waking up in the morning and not just praying because you don't want to miss your prayer time, but you're praying because you want to partner with God's plans for today, knowing that his thoughts are above our thoughts his ways are above our ways, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so, is, so are his thoughts above our thoughts and his ways above our ways. I want to enter into that life of faith so that I can see him do greater things than I could even ask, think, or imagine. I'm going to keep working this ground in here. I have to. I've got about 20, 30 minutes to really work the ground of the heart in here because for some of us, it's just reminding ourselves I have a good thing, reminding myself that I have a great thing, reminding myself that when it comes to God and my life, great things he has done. And the winds of life will get you to focus on the negatives. Do you know it could be beautiful outside? And some of you might be in some of those seasons where it, the weather could be wonderful. But that last issue is bothering you so bad. That area of division, that incomplete relationship, that failed conversation, that area of division is so big to you, your head is down and you can't even hear the birds singing. You can't even feel the breath of the day. You can't even acknowledge for a long time. I mean, a nice long praise when the Lord literally is answering prayers day by day. All because of something that where division has crept in. Division is powerful to destroy the momentum of the kingdom. I mean, if there is one thing that an enemy could do to gain victory over those they hate, is to somehow figure out 
how to get that group divided. You can have a man and a woman sold out for Jesus, sold out for the kingdom of God. You want to know how to slow things down? Get them arguing. Both of them love Jesus. Both of them gave their life to Jesus long before they ever met the other person. Both of them have a heart for what God wants. Both of them, even while they're mad at one another, are sincerely asking God what to do. But boy, if you can get that divide. Father and mother dreaming, naming their children, asking God for their name, fussing a little bit about it, right? <laughs> yeah. Dreaming about what God could do. God, show me, give me a glimpse of what my child is going to be so I can name my child. Now the child's 10, 12, 15, 17, and now all of a sudden the tension is rising. The divide is rising. You're starting to fear the, the, the world and all of their beliefs and thoughts trying to enter your household. And all of a sudden, you don't really even see their faces anymore. All you do is feel the tension now. Division is a great enemy of the work of Jesus, of the plans of Jesus, of his salvation going out to others because it gets right inside of our homes, it gets right inside of our houses, it gets right inside of our churches, and we have to know how to deal with it. Can I do some leadership talking here? Can I make a, just a grand assumption this morning that just maybe, maybe, just maybe, that you are the light of the world? Can I make an assumption that every one of you is a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden? Is that okay? Can I just think like that for a second? Can I assume that when you walk into a space, typically you might be the only one that's actually in there wondering who knows the Lord, who has wholeness when they go home, who's sleeping through the night. How can I pray for this person even though I don't know them? You might be the only one in that space, and I need to tell you how to keep that tank from getting cracked, dried up, and bruised because of the pain of division. One of the first things, one of the first things I want to establish this morning as we think about the riches of what we just read is that unity is heavenly. It's beautiful. Walking in unity is literally a reflection of heaven. Just think about it. When we are able to walk in unity, to walk together in harmony, in joy, in life, and in love, we are literally reflecting what life in heaven is going to be like. Think about how we all love to be known. We love to be known. And for others to begin to get to the place where they actually we know one another. The Bible says to know those that labor among you and are over you in the Lord. You should know your leaders. You should know. You should be able to look in their faces. I didn't know this early on in my walk with Jesus. Someone could be suffering right next to me, and I would not know it. Now it's kind of hard to fool me. 
Now when I see my friends who are carrying the ministry, etc., I usually want to grab them and throw them on vacation for three weeks. Just like, go, let me handle it for three weeks for you. You get out there, breathe again, rest again, because usually the people that you're leading don't understand what you have to carry. Ephesians chapter 4 sets us up to know this beautiful unity. But I think when we hear the word unity, sometimes it's almost like something soft, <laughs> right? Oh, a cute little unity message. Kumbaya. We're going to hold hands and sing a song when we finish, Clarence. Look at y'all looking at me. <laughs> We're going to sing We Are the World or something. Is that what we're doing at the end of service today, Clarence? How about folks get on my nerves, Clarence? That's what the real story is. That's why we're talking today. Disunity actually causes health problems. Disunity hinders the best use of the church, of the body of Christ, and all of those that are around you. When disunity is prevailing, even in your home, you're literally walking into this room and it's hard for you to even see the other people sitting in this room because your mind is stuck on that point of disunity that happened right before you came in here. So it's sucking the life out of the body. I remember there was a, a season where if I slept wrong, I'd wake up. Y'all ever do that? You wake up and your, your arm is like, <laughs> you know, just no feeling at all in that arm. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And disunity does that. It cuts off the life. It cuts off the joy. You know, we're, we're not just physical hu human beings when we're in God. We're spiritual, too. Do you know you could look at someone and encourage them? Do you know that how you engage your family, your friends, when you see them with your eyes in the morning, even if you don't use words, do you know that you just communicated to them? Do you know that you actually have to damage children real good to stop them from responding to nonverbal communication. You have to untrain them from what is natural human behavior. They don't just respond to what you say. They respond to your eyes, to your joy, to your belief, to your face, to your focus, to your soul, <laughs> and you're mad at them because they won't do something right, and you're trying to get them to obey a law, and God wants you to become the Word made flesh. I know that just flew right over some people's heads. <laughs> that means you're saying, y'all stop it. And really, if you were in the middle Spending time with them, playing with them. I figured it out. I was like, what? What's all that clamp going on upstairs? And I figured out how to solve the problem. It wasn't yelling. It was going and being in the middle of the room with them. 
if there's a lack of character setting the standard in the middle, I need it to be there. I need it to be present. But you know when I struggle to be present, if Alicia and I were having an issue, if I was having an issue on the job, if I was having an issue with somebody in my work, because now I'm walking in the house, my head is still stuck on this issue, and I haven't resolved it, and it's draining life away from those that are around me. A group of people who learn these things and can go out into other spaces on other teams, other church plants in the future as you go out, literally one person who knows how to walk into, in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the power of his character, one person can literally shift the character of a whole room. One person full of the life of God can literally walk into a situation, and people don't know why. They start, their shoulders start relaxing more while you're around, and they don't even realize their face is starting to change. Because light is greater than darkness. Are y'all here? (laughs) Everything you need to do to solve a problem does not have to come out of your mouth. Sometimes it's your presence. Sometimes it's you being super healthy so that you can advertise what kingdom life is all about. So I did a series one time on seven things greater than money. And um, it was one of those ones where, you know, God gives you a revelation and you like it. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. And um, so one of the young men in our church, you know, we were doing something every couple weeks where I would sit down and disciple about six or seven guys. And uh, he got me one-on-one because that's what he, he really wanted in the first place. And some discipleship, are, are y'all listening? <laughs> I, I need to say this. <laughs> so, a lot of discipleship works with a door where the handle is on the inside. Okay? And, and some of your growth could be far greater if the person that had something to give to you knew that you were an open door and not a headache. I know you're not supposed to turn your back on the, the, the church, but I just want y'all to think about that for a while. <laughs> so, I knew that what I really needed to tell him to take scripture that, that I was reading from a distance or even in the group of 10, 7 to 12 that he was joining, I knew that what I really needed to say to him could be very offensive if he took it wrong. But I also knew that his wallet would still be as light as helium if he didn't listen to me. Y'all ain't going to help me this morning. <laughs> Put that wallet on a string and just let the kids play with it. Boy, just, just broke. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about this morning, do y'all? <laughs> just deeny, 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 you know, <laughs> playing, playing at the fair. But he had had enough. He wanted to know. He wanted to change. And so I said, so-and-so, I I call him, his name is not Joe. So I said, Joe, look, can I I tell you something? 
I said, I want to tell you why you struggle with money. I said, bruh, you don't smile. I mean, I'm, I'm just, I mean, I'm not trying to be too deep with you. I can show you some scriptures to support what I'm saying, but like, you don't smile. He dropped his head. His eyebrows literally shifted. His face, his count, he had never had someone come directly to him. He said, Clarence, I got consumed with anime and martial arts, and I trained my face. Now, he, he's not even from that culture. He said, but I trained my face. And he said, I tried to mimic that all the time. He said, and you're right. I don't smile anymore. I'm like, do you enjoy being broke? <laughs> I'm just like, why does anyone want to sit talk to you and you have no emotion in your face? Be inviting. Uh, are y'all missing, am I reading the wrong fruit of the Spirit that says love, joy, peace, right? I'm like, smile. And, and you should have seen him smile. I said, man, you actually have a beautiful smile. His mouth opens wide. He starts smiling, and his eyes brightened. He was so used to walking around in some belief system that had nothing to do with the kingdom that he missed. Do you want unity, church? I can go deep on some of this stuff, but can I ask again? Do you want unity, church? Amen? Smile. Is that all right? This is some good, deep doctrine. I tell people, I tell people you know, if you want to know some doctrine, you want to know some deep theological truth, God is good. I, y'all sit there and think about it for a while. When we go through hard times, we can get off that foundation. At the end of the day, whatever I'm going through, God is Loss, personal pain, before we came down here, uh, we had to delay our trip. We were going to leave at like 8 in the morning yesterday, didn't end up leaving until about 1 o'clock. I had to run to the hospital and talk to a young wife because her husband said he believes God told him to, to let go and come on home. And he's, he's only in his late 30s. Does that change the doctrine? No. Is there still some beauty that God's going to bring through all of this? He is. Does it hurt? Yes. Do you have to sit there quiet and let a friend walk through her pain? Yes. But it does not change the fact that God is good. God is not filling us with a bunch of fluff. The Bible is not a big motivational speech. What God is teaching us now is how to live the life of heaven before we move beyond the days of sin, deathness, and evil. I want to share uh, the powerful thoughts from this scripture because it's foundational. And I think today there's a lot of things we could take home with us and practice 
one of the first things it says is verse 2. It says to be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. And some of the translations, they call it forbearance. The Bible says to meditate on the word day and night. Psalms chapter 1 says it, Joshua chapter 1 says it, but meditate on the word day and night. So what that means, it does not mean that you just memorize the verses. You don't just stand up and say, you know, it doesn't sit in the seat of the scornful, nor stand in the way of sinners, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate both day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the river of the water, and his fruit will not wither, but his fruit will bear fruit both day and night. You can study and memorize Scripture, but meditating on Scripture is when you are thinking about the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lie. He makes me to lie down in the green pastures, and you meditate on it until it becomes real in your world. You're not just picturing sheep and grass when you say Psalm 23. You begin to say, what is the grassy field that he's made for me? What? So when my eyes see my family, my house, my friends, the movement I'm a part of, to me, Antioch are the grassy fields that God brought the Hill family to. To lie down in green pastures. It's a green pasture place for me. That's what my meditation has brought it to. Meditate on the word. Meditate on it. And so sometimes you take a word or a term, and if it doesn't drive you to something, the word of God with skin on, the word flesh, the word made flesh, the word real in your world, then maybe it's because if I say forbearance to you, you just look at to me, me like, that's an interesting term. Now let me use another phrase. Since I looked up the definitions in Greek, putting up with one another. <laughs> y'all see the difference? I say, y'all, today we're going to talk about, uh, what, what does NIV say? It, we're going to talk about bearing with one another. And y'all like, hmm. Y'all, today we're going to talk about putting up with one another. Hey, man. Come on now. You see some couples shifting seat like, I hope you won't write something down right now. <laughs> Just, here, here, I brought some extra pens for you. <laughs> putting up with one another. Amen, 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 amen. Y'all, that's a whole message all by itself, isn't it, y'all? That says a lot, y'all. It says a lot. You got to understand that the scriptures were written to encourage, to, for, for uh, our comfort, for our hope. Uh, but, but there's a lot of different angles to putting up with one another. Now, I know for most of us, we're the good people, and it's someone else that we're putting up with. <laughs> of course it is. You know, if, if, there's, if there's Superman and Lex Luthor, then I'm Superman and you are. <laughs> We're always the good person, right? But it might mean, just maybe, <laughs> that someone's putting over your behind. 
<laughs> just maybe, just maybe someone is believing God for you to open the door from the inside and make it easy for them to share something with you that God has done in their lives, that if you do it, you're going to be able to reach more people for Jesus too. You're going to be able to cross bridges. You're going to be able to see more growth. You're going to be able to see more, more fruit because the church is a community learning environment. The church is a space where we learn together and we grow together. You shouldn't look back one year, two years, three years, and be the same person. You shouldn't be spending all your time training everyone on how to respond to you in your attitude. We are supposed to be learning together, growing together, looking at the Word of God, letting it show us our own real reflection, not what we want to be, but who we really are, so that we can actually make a change where we really live. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You don't have to say amen too loud on this part, but you know that for some people, their reality is, who, is in who they want to be. And to them, it almost feels like they are worthless and nothing if they have to start with where they really are. But I want to explain to you what repentance is. Repentance, coming to know Christ, turning from darkness, means we're starting with where we really are. The Holy Spirit in John chapter 16 is called the spirit of truth, reality. And everyone around us deals with who we really are, waiting for us to see who we really are. You're like, but I feel empty when I do that. Well, then you can get filled up if you can be right where you are and let the work be of Jesus and not of yourself. The Bible says to put up with one another. When you read this verse, it's a blessing because as all of us have to lead, all of us have to step into spaces, all of us have to be in situations where others are going to be impacted by the decisions that we make. It's good to understand that the situation that you're going into is typically not going to be completely rosy. The Bible says, don't think it's strange when fiery trials come to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. When you hear put up with one another, what it's saying is there are going to be some people some situations, some things that actually may never change. Can I give y'all a secret that I've had to share with several couples? I need you, and this goes for couples and singles, I need you to find out what the scriptures want you to do if your friend, your spouse, your mom, your dad, and that uncle, if they never change, and if they get worse. 
Now, now, if you watch what I just did, I'm trying to set you free. I'm trying to release your body from all of the stress. Medical students, I don't know if it's cortisol or whatever, whatever the stresses are. I'm trying to get you free in your being because now you have all of these false expectations and you think everywhere you go, any team you put together, when they said build a team to lead this volunteer event or come work on this event, I came to the church and the church, they were just as messed up as everybody else. Put up with one another. It never said they were going to be perfect. It never said we were going to be perfect. We are a learning, growing community. But I just left the world because I didn't want to have to deal with this stuff. Well, guess what? You're going to have to die if you don't want to deal with this stuff. <laughs> Amen? Let's just get sober about life and understand that in there are situations where we will have to put up with one another. Let me say this. There are great people around you, good people around you, beautiful people around you that may still have flaws that you didn't expect and you didn't see coming. And sometimes it might be a leader. And what are you supposed to do? Huh? Say it louder. Put up with one another. But this isn't fair. Now I'm not talking about someone sleeping around. Now I'm not talking about you walking in a room and seeing a leader on the phone and porn on the phone. I want everybody in this room to be free. If we can't do a phone exchange and a password exchange right now without your heart starting to race, I, I'm not talking about that category. Are y'all hearing me? The Bible just basically says, look, live clean. It's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt your family. It's going to hurt your reputation. Amen? Can we just leave that there? I'm talking about growth areas. I'm talking about impatience. I'm talking about cutting people off before they finish their thoughts. I'm talking about one person who talks and just dominates every conversation. I'm talking about having a life group and one person and everybody's, everybody's trying to corner that one person just to get them to be quiet for just a little while so, so everybody can get filled with the Holy Spirit. Do, we, do y'all hear what I'm saying? <laughs> just, just, like, just like you do know there's nine other people in this room, right? And all of us was reading the Bible this week too. And at least two of us would like to share what we read at the same time. But what does the Bible say to do? Put up with one another. Figure it out. Get in the room, draw some X's and O's with the, where everybody sits and try to <laughs> ask God for a strategy until they open the door from the inside. Amen. They walk in the room, y'all in the corner like this. Okay, I need to get through this. <laughs> so, I, I enjoy laughter. Obviously, y'all know that. But it's healthy to understand that some of the put up with one another actually causes serious pain. And this, what I just said is light because life group will be over soon. Can someone say amen? Okay. <laughs> And you can call each other <laughs> and still share what was on your heart. So that's a light thing. But there's some heavy things. There's some harder things. 
There's some moments when you feel like you've seen something from God. You feel like that you and this group have the capacity to reach something huge. Any leader, any pastor goes through this. They have a dream, and then they're wanting their body to respond at a certain level. And then you are baffled at how dangerous division can be as one chirp can start a ruckus and begin to take all the energy of the vision that you took hours and hours and hours praying, asking God, fasting, seeking God to get to a direction, and then one chirping start, and all of a sudden your energy starts to have to drain toward a situation. So this is not all light, okay? And it's not just in the church, it's in our families. And, and, and you look up and you think, oh, I did everything. I, I raised my children. I, I, I took them to church. I, I took them to youth group. I can't believe they're doing this right now. And all that energy is draining. So, so, so putting up with one another, walking in some of these ways, it's, it's serious too. And I need to tell you that the purpose of God still prevails with issues. I need to give you biblical historically biblical examples that it is possible to still see the plans of God fulfilled. How many know the story of David's mighty men, right? They start talking about the mighty men, and he won beam and killed 800 men. I mean, this is, you couldn't make a Disney movie like this. You couldn't do an Avenger story like this. I mean, fell into a snow pit with a lion and killed him with his bare hands, right? I mean, these, David killed a giant. This man killed a giant. Another one killed a giant. David reproducing giant killers amongst these mighty men. Yeah, the mighty men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please read the whole story. Please don't just light on the wonderful parts of the story that we love to hear. Because I need you to know that among his top three, his top six, was a man named Joab who killed a man in a time of peace. And David literally had to fall down before the Lord. I mean, it just stole the, 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 the stomach out of David. I don't know if you've had those gut punch moments like, oh, my goodness, how is this happening now? I don't even want to do this anymore. I don't even want to be with my family this week. I don't even want to go to church this week. I don't want to be around anyone this week. How could this happen right now? David went through a moment like that. David says to himself, God, Joab and these men, they're too hard for me. They're just too hard for me. These men murdering. So at David's deathbed, he told his son to avenge him. Everything that's mighty, everything that's wonderful, sometimes there's an exchange. The Bible says where there are no oxen, the stall remains clean. Like, if you want everything to be sweet and peachy, guess what? You might not have en enough muscle to get the work done. Jesus, his own disciples, he catch him arguing over who's going to be the greatest. Are y'all hearing me? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, every single one of them had family turmoil. The 12 tribes of Israel. Are y'all hearing me? The 12 tribes of Israel. The great 12 nations of Israel. Did you know that the oldest son was Reuben and he slept with his father's concubine? The second two sons were Simeon and Levi. And when their sister got raped, they got upset with Jacob 
because they wanted Jacob to avenge her sister, but Jacob made a peace agreement and was going to marry her off. They couldn't stand that idea, so they tricked the whole city of men into getting circumcised. And when they got circumcised and was too weak to fight back, then those two went and killed all the men in the whole city. And Jacob was like, you're going to make all the nations around us gather together as one and destroy us. Jacob's thinking, you two boys have just messed it up. I am the third in a generation. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, it's my turn. And now my own children have messed up my calling. How can I preach anymore? How can I do the kingdom anymore? I'm going to get wiped out and everything God's done before me has messed up because of you kids. Why do you think Jesus was the lion of the tribe of Judah? Judah was the fourth son. When do you choose the fourth son? It's because the first three sons got disqualified. Read the whole Bible, please. Amen? Let's finish with this last part because this is who we are, and then we'll close. Down in verse 15 and 16, the Bible says, Speak the truth in love. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From, whom, from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, 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 ligament relationships, grows and builds its, itself up in love as each part does its work. I want to give you a responsibility today that the growth of this church does not just rest on the leadership. You want to destroy, you want to see the church fail, walk around with a mentality that your part doesn't matter. You know what God wants you to be? He wants you to be the agents of life in every circle. When you start hearing division chirping, you say, no, Matthew 18 says, you go talk to that person alone. I don't even want to hear what you're talking about. Can you say amen? If you'll stand, we want to pray right now over the areas of division that are trying to drain our households and our families and our churches. You're on mission. Everywhere you go, you may not realize it, but you are bringing peace. At the school, you're bringing peace. On your job, you're bringing peace. You're bringing life and joy. The grace of God on you does not just work in a church service. Can you say amen to that? As I was praying over this, I saw stress marks. I saw stress marks, like stress marks, but stress marks. Where it was like there were some that were carrying weight, and it could be in several different forms, but you feel like you're carrying more, and you may have even used the word, it's not fair. Sometimes the situation in your, in your life, it hurts, because you were expecting to carry that much. We had somebody call, a couple guys call our church, and they were, the rumor was that they wanted to call us out and 
start writing some papers against Antioch and Norman. Four or five years ago, that would have probably made me call a prayer meeting, call the elder and say, what do we do? How should we respond? Now, we communicate, etc. But because of the sufferings and the challenges I've been through, you know what I did? I went to the next email. Are, are y'all are hearing me? I want to pray for you today so that you can go to the next email and that the grace of God can rest on you. Just lift your hands right now, and we want to release burdens. The Bible says to roll your cares over to the Lord. I want you just to name that person. I want you to name that situation. Your job today is to roll that situation to the Lord, to release that situation to the Lord, and to ask God to fill you now. This is our prayer. Fill us now with the joy of the Lord overflowing so that I don't even notice that a trap is being set against me. In the name of Jesus Christ, we release every burden, every heavy load on every shoulder in this room. God, we thank you right now that freedom comes. I speak freedom over your situation in Jesus' name. I speak a lifting of the head right now that you are called to speak life into others, and now you will see them in Jesus' name. God, we call upon you. You're the repairer of the breach. So we speak healing in the situations where all of your words have not been able to fix a thing. Let it go now and let the Lord move in right now. And we speak healing over these situations in Jesus' name. Come on, celebrate the Lord if you believe it.